0: Okay, for our first message today, it'll be brought to us by Mr. Doyle Carter. It is entitled, Where Do We Go From Here? Uh, greetings, everyone. I'll get myself set up. Brian just gave me the wire, so i got to get ready. Here, turn that on. As we know, this is the first week... This the, the spring holy days are now completed. Can't read my own notes, but the spring holy days completed, And luckily, God has graced us. Last week, it wasn't 95 to 100 degrees when we had the 10 out there. It was warm, but it wasn't that warm. It's really a beautiful day. It was a beautiful weekend to do it. We had seen many guests that we haven't seen for a while, which was nice to see people traveling from other parts of the state. I think we had somebody from Arkansas that so we... It was a really nice time. It was a very enjoyable time. And as my title goes, where do we go from here? We are aware that Pentecost does not complete the end of the plan of God. In other words, it's just another phase toward God's what God has for us and His plans. It's something we got more to look forward to after this. We've we got more to look forward to. It's like the... I was going to use an analogy, and I'm not Catholic, but I just thought it was a really cool analogy. I'm going through in great courses. The great cathedrals. And there's this, uh, get the, if I don't butcher the name, it's the Basilica of St. Denis. It's near, it's near uh, Paris, France. It was a very beautiful one to actually look at. He didn't go into the religion as much, because this, kind of, this, this guy, even though I think he's Catholic, was more into the arches and the beauty of it and some of the symbolism. When you first go up to it, When you first go up to it, you see an arch. I think there's two of them, but somewhere in the entranceway, maybe three. There's actually a picture of Christ, obviously their version of what they thought Christ looked like, the apostles, and then there's other pictures. And you go through the door, and then you go through to where it goes to paradise. Even though that's not exactly how we view it, it's about what the Bible tells us. In a sense, we go in front of Christ for judgment. And we go for the next, next level of what, what our next level is. I thought it was a very beautiful cathedral myself. It's, it's, you would think Gothic means dark. It doesn't. It's Romanesque. So that's a little bit of a lesson for you for history if you're ever curious and go to Europe. Now, Jesus does give us at least some signposts to our goals that we get to go to or we're going for. In Matthew 6, 31 through 33. We all know this one, but it's one to look at. Matthew six thirty-one through 33. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. And it is true. We worry about that, the necessities of life. We think about them. But, he, but Jesus says, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So He, Jesus' statement here, was that we first seek the kingdom of God. We're not going to heaven, despite what this, what Dennis thought. We we got a better destiny ahead of us—a kingdom of God, which I'll cover at near the end. And we were to seek His righteousness, the way God would want us to do it. Now, what is our part? You know, I wanted to go into this, kind of divide it in, a little, in two parts. One is what God is doing for us and what we do for ourselves. Simple. Our part of this goal is to continue to cleanse our lives of sin and from unrighteousness righteousness, and, to, and to seek God's righteousness as Jesus just stated. And we are to look forward to this better world. John weighs in on us, or at least John, John that's true, but James jumping a scripture here, James tells us at least one formula of how to do this. There's probably multiples, but this one was a really good one, I thought. James, when he wrote, he in James 4, 7 through 11, for, let's go through 10. James 4, verses 7 through 10. He says, speaking to his audience, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your heart, you double-minded. On to verse ten. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And I did say John, and I had that as just one to go to before I continue on my conversation. There would be First John one nine. Just as a reinforcement on this, First John. 1 9 it says if you we confess our sins he jesus christ is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from our all our unrighteousness so our first step is to cleanse our life we because we, unfortunately we're still mortal we still go through life and as i was discussing with someone we still have our flaws good bad or indifferent And we still have to overcome. It's a part of life. But we can direct ourselves that way. We can work that direction. And the world events don't help us. Like I said, this week was really trying. Had to overcome some unnecessary emotions I didn't like. But, hey, it's a part of life. And we can come to God for protection as well. And he's helping us. And by cleansing, our, 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 by cleansing ourselves of our sins, we actually start building a godly character. We start realizing what we do that's off. Um, well, I'll give you an example. It's a little early for the example, but this week I got irritated at the boss when she was right. But I didn't think that way at the time. She just wanted some quietness one day, and I went in, and I get a little bit crazy sometimes. Because that's when I enjoy my job, I go a little nutty and get... Mouth, you know, mouth for fun. You know how guys are when guys get together like in a warehouse and they start, you know, goofing off. And she told me to hush. And I took it totally wrong. And once I really sat down with prayer and realized all she was doing, because finally I told Tucker, he said, "Doll, what's your problem? You won't talk for two days. What's your problem? It's like, and it's like well tawny told me tawny had an important phone call she was about to jump on about something she's has a lot going on with the pandemic and the riots We're, we're you know you need to kind of give her some liberty and when i thought about that I went yeah she's, he's right you know she's coordinating this entire project and she's going through a lot of stress on her own you know i thought it was stressful going home tuesday night after trying to clean the building early because i was afraid there'd be riots in my neighborhoods but <laughs> you know I mean, but she has to deal with drivers who have to go into certain areas of town. Luckily, nothing's happening. I prayed that night, and I basically said, God, I had enough. And I read Psalms 37. This is not quite in the notes, but that's okay. I'll throw it in just for the fun of it. Psalms 37 is a good read. Intentionally, for those writing notes, I see one. It talks to us that we're not to to, uh, get all anxious over the bad things going on. God will take care of it. We are to draw near to him. Twice says it in the, in the scripture that the meek shall inherit the earth. You just draw near to God. And I did that. The rest of the week went fine. After Tuesday, everything went awesome. So and that's probably what I should have done the first day when Monday, then things didn't go right. And then Tuesday kind of went, uh, you know, I should have went draw near to God. I should have done what I was supposed to. But we do have our faults and we unfortunately pay for them. Sometimes it's the way it is. It's the way it is. But sometimes, he did mention something else. So just to get out of this scripture, we are submit to God and draw near to him. He'll draw near to us. But he mentions another factor. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We know we have an outside forces that work on us. I mean, it doesn't make sense why some things are going on in the world if you just look at it logically. And I'm not going to get into politics. I'm just going to go into that we realize there's outside forces out there influencing people. But, we're, but Paul addresses that too. Isn't that interesting? He says in Ephesians 6, 11 through 17. Ephesians 6, 11 through 17. He, Paul tells the Ephesians that put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle, wrestle against Flesh and blood, but against prince about proudies, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heaven or heavenly places. Therefore, take up the armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil. Withstand, well, let me start that one over again. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. So he's a, and Paul makes us aware that sometimes, when things aren't right, like I pick on Ani, but sometimes she doesn't mean to. She gets a little frustrated because she's, like, say she's busy. You know, I shouldn't use her name in the message, but she, she sometimes get all wiry. And I know it's not her. A lot of times, it's just outside forces. You know, she has to deal with keeping us employed and keeping us in line. and and all the stuff, and I couldn't, I couldn't be manager. I was talking to someone, I said, I don't know if I'd want to be manager. And I'd <laughs> be kind of like, ah. And it is a crazy world, and if you try to make sense, sometimes it's really hard, and you just got to be aware of that. But there is a way around that a little bit. As we put on, I'm going to go into the armor of God, and think about it. When you put this armor of God on, it Helps us build character. It's not like we're wasting our time trying to defend ourselves. We actually learn. I'll I'll go into it. In verse 14. Stand therefore having girded up your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And having the shoals of your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all take the shield of faith. With which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So first, we, we gird ourselves up with truth. Not much out there. Seems like it's all... I mean, there is truth. It just seems like it's hard to get. But we know God's word is the truth. It's one of our sources. We are to have the breastplate of righteousness. So we're to strive for righteousness. The gospel of peace is the... And that I needed on Tuesday night. I had faith on that. I did, God would be there. The shield of faith. By putting this on, we actually grow in character. God doesn't just vainly work with us on it. We can grow in character if we take up righteousness and learn truth and react to it. We grow. We really can grow. Because we see that we're to put on a new man. We're to put put on a new man or a new person like the character of Christ. Colossians 3, 8 through 11. Colossians 3, verses 8 through 11. Paul wrote to them saying, But now you yourself are to put off all these things. Anger. Wrath. Malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who renews, who is renewed in, the, in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, Barbarian, S- Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all in one. We're putting on a new man. Because I caught myself this week getting frustrated with all the events around me. And that's what I loved about that psalm. In, some, in I think King James it said to remove your frustration or anxiousness. God uses draw near to God. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a lot of the, the psalm put together. But it rung a rung a bell. It's like God will take care of it. Just go on with life. You do what you can do. And we are putting on a new man, which means it. And we're the new man in Christ. We're in Christ. No other. We're not Greeks, Gentiles. We're not. We are in Christ. And as we consider that, we can look beyond. We are to call to look beyond this life and realize that we're all in Christ, as I said, which when we have a much higher goal in life. We don't just look at the present world as our hope. And that's something I know a lot of people do. I only stopped in my notes there because I was talking to someone and they're gathering riches because that's their hope. They don't believe in any religion, which I didn't know that. I just thought he was a happy person all the time. But as long as he has money and all that, he's happy. And I try to tell him, What's going to happen afterwards? He goes, I don't care, and I don't know. I said, dude, you've got to look beyond this life. There's more to it. But we are to look forward to something, and God does give us something to look forward to. When you read the Bible, you've got something to look forward to. We can't look back. We can't look back. These are a reference scriptures similar to what I said last time. In Luke 9, 62, and Brian doesn't have to go to it. It just Jesus happens to make the comment no one having put his hand to the hand to the plow and looking back and looking back is fit for the kingdom of god so we are to look forward we're to continue to look forward we also know that in hebrews 11 13 through 16 a reference only again you know i used this last time that the people of the old testament looked toward something greater than themselves and the world around them they looked for a better, as it says in verse 16, but now they desired a, a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and He, for he has prepared a city for them. So in summary of the, our part, first, we're to look at our lives and clean it. Because we're, unfortunately, like I say, we're human. And like I said, I didn't mean to bring an analogy myself. I just don't want to say anything about anyone else and get anyone else mad. If I get mad, it's my problem. I should be fixing my own problems. <laughs> but, you know, but the point is we should be looking at our lives, cleaning it up, and then submit to God. So when we have problems, issues, and if God tells us to do something, we should do it, if the Bible says it. We are to draw near to him and seek his kingdom. We are to put on the armor of God to assist us against the world around us and its influences from other sources. Because, unfortunately... I got bad news for everyone. It doesn't look like it's going to get much better. I'm going through Ron Dart right now with Revelation. And it's interesting how in, in Revelation 12, I wasn't exactly thrilled with some of the stuff that was written there. So there's more to come. But if we put the armor of God on, we have a, God is definitely going to help us there. We're going to seek the kingdom of God, just like it's said in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Now, my second part. Okay, so we do all this stuff. As I said, it's not in vain. We do all this stuff. We do all these items. We cleanse our lives. We draw near to God. We look forward to his kingdom. Okay? Here's what Jesus is doing for us if we do all, this, uh, all the, uh, the proper channels and activities we're supposed to do. First, we see that Christ is bringing in many sons and daughters. I'll keep that in mind. Daughters. Into his, uh, into his fold. For in Hebrews 2.10. In Hebrews 2.10. It says, for it is fitting for him, for whom all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons the glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. He's bringing in children. We're the children of God. We also know this from Galatians. In Galatians three, twenty-three, or twenty-six, I'm sorry, twenty-six through twenty-eight. Galatians three, twenty-six through twenty-eight. For you are all the sons of God, therefore, I'm I'm sorry, let's start over. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized in Christ have put on Christ, neither, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither slave or free, there is neither male or female, for you all are one in Christ. So he's bringing us into his fold, into his family. we got a family forming. And we definitely know that's true because even on a physical level, level, last week it was almost like having a family reunion out there. Again, not 95 to 100 degrees, but it was great. Everybody did great. The food was good. It was like a big family reunion. Now, can you imagine if it, when it escalates to becoming an immortal being? And we're, and there's a little bit more of a perk in this. Not, again, I didn't give Brian the scripture, but I'm, and you can research the other items on it. But in Romans 8, 14 through 17, he talks about us in verse 17 as being heirs and joint heirs with Christ. It makes me think of what my, I'll say it. What well, my dad has done for me to get around or to help me out, he's decided that everything he owns has my name underneath it. So in that case, I'm like a co-heir. Or I inherit his his items when things go, you know, God forbid he ever, you know, I don't want him gone, but one day he knows he will pass on. He's made it to where there will be no complications. It's simple. He's made me a co-heir, so to speak, or an inheritant in that way. And I can see how God, through God through Jesus Christ has done the same thing with us, where we are now co-heirs. Our signature's there. You know, we make it and all that. We are there. It's just instant. And like I said, I'll let you go through the many facets that will go on with this co-heir part. Because like I said, I don't want the yellow light on me, so we'll edit that. But just some for a personal study for the summer. You were ever curious, you know, what would you become aware of? Because, I mean, he does say in Hebrews somewhere, in Hebrews 1 or 2, that he is an inheritance, an heir to everything. And everything is a lot bigger than you think. Because I've been going through the Hubble telescope. And they were showing, okay, just to throw in this just real quick. Air, think about it. They were talking about an area about the size of this or something like that. It was like a cup or whatever. And they showed a picture of stars. And this guy was saying, this is a picture from the Hubble telescope. You say, OK, so what? Stars. No, they're not. They're multiple galaxies. And that's only one little area in the sky. He said, there are billions upon billions of stars out there. And we still don't see them all. It's, it's just so vast. It's amazing the guy doesn't believe in a god. I don't know if he does or not, but if he doesn't, I'd be shocked. I mean, it's like, look at the Hubble telescope, wow. So it's not just the earth we inherit. We'll be co-heirs to everything else. So, I mean, who knows what all that's going to bring. I'm, I'm not going to ring cowbells. It's not worth it. Just, we'll just let it go and we'll go with the flow. Jesus does speak of a kingdom. And he did this with Pilate. Because Pilate, you know, when he was being crucified, was asked, well, where's your kingdom? He, I don't know how the words exactly go. But Jesus answers Pilate when he asks him about his kingdom or his rulership or who is he a king of? And he says in John eighteen thirty six, in eighteen verse thirty six, Jesus' response to him was, "My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. It's not just yet. It may be individual. We may be called individually to be in the kingdom." But it's not here as of yet. At least that's how I understand it. it. Now, I would interpret some of the information I get. But The kingdom of God is not this world. I've actually had a church member say that they thought this was the kingdom. The, and this is, I'm not going to say it's church. Sunday Keeper. He thought that God's kingdom was here now. And I go, uh, <coughs> if this is God's kingdom, wow. <laughs> you really are going crazy. I tried to express that, this scripture to him. He went, well, Jesus met, and it's like, yeah, whatever. But we, it's not here yet, but, it, but it's on a personal level he's calling, and he's calling people out to become his sons and daughters, to be a part of that kingdom. We know in Revelation 11, 15, through all the events that went before Revelation 11, and then finally at the seventh trump, the kingdom is proclaimed in Revelation 11 eleven fifteen It says in in there Then the seventh angel sounded and there was a loud voice in heaven saying The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of the Lord of our Lord and of our Christ and he shall reign forever and forever and just think we get to be a part of this as, as children like, like, when, like when I was sitting here, I can remember a time, you know, you don't, children are not servants. I found that out real quick. Well, they can be, but it depends if you put them to work. But when it came to like, we built a house in Dardanelle, you know, he didn't do My dad didn't just say, go away. He actually tried to make me a part of his activity. Because I asked him one day, I was 15 and I wanted to go out with my friends. And he goes, now, son, son, you're a part of this family. We're building a house and you're going to help. That's the way it works. I didn't pour the concrete, we hired someone for that, but I'm glad too, I would probably tore up the whole foundation. But I helped him with like the, some of the framing, some of the electrical, not much, but a little bit. He kind of hired most of it, but I was there to help out. And we're the same situation, you know, we're not gonna be on the sidelines. He's gonna say, hey, come on kids, you're supposed to be a part of this fun stuff. You know, you're, you're here. Yeah, you don't want me laying foundation. I'd probably put my hands in there or something, and you know, have handprints in there, who you knows. I was a goofy kid at the time. And, and it will be a better world then, too. And we know we'll be a part of it because he says so anyway. In Revelation 20, verses 6. In Revelation 20, verses 6. Blessed and holy is he who has the part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power of eternal life. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And I'm sure it goes beyond that. But for now, he says a 1,000 years. We have an opportunity. We're not helplessly doing what we did this week, like when I almost had a stress attack watching the news. We're not here because the the events in the news were kind of stressing. I took them a little more than I should. We're not going to helplessly be there. Christ will be there. At that time, the kingdom of God will be at peace. Don't keep, mean to keep mentioning, it's just sometimes, you know, we do sigh and cry for the world. I know that in one of the prophets it says, blessed are those who sigh and cry for the, the events that go around them because God will hear. And that's, you know, just, yeah, I just wish it never did. But it is the way it is at the moment. In summary, we just completed the spring holy days, which were full of meaning. Awesome meaning. I mean, we went through Passover kind of at home or in groups. Days on bread, same way. But we get, got together during Pentecost and got to hang out. We know that we are, to, we are to cleanse our lives and become a new man, to follow the word of God. We know we must submit. We must draw near to God. And we also must resist the devil. And in order to do this, To resist the devil and draw near to God at the same time, we are to put on the armor of God. And by putting on the armor of God, we build the character of God. We can build; it's not futile. We start building the character of God, just like the cathedral I mentioned. You know, the idea is when you walk through, it's not like some of the other gothics where it shows kind of both sides. Which I want to talk about their religion. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care about their religion. It's, It's Mickey Mouse. Point is. They go in, once judged, and you go to a bright room where you can worship God. Well, it's the same. It's like us. I mean, we go through our destiny. We have a destiny. And it's a wonderful one. We are to seek the kingdom of God, which is the only hope for this dying world. Events today are going to get worse, like I said. Unfortunately, you see in Revelation, it's unfortunately going to get worse, but... There is light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know whoever thought that statement up and was a pretty good man, a pretty bright man. That's a good one. There's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. We know this. We're, we, we're going to look forward to Jesus' rule. And I'm going to leave you with a little more positive here. It's a feast scripture, but I like it, I like it. It's an Isaiah. Isaiah 2, 2 through 4. Hopefully this will be in the newspapers one day. It'll be awesome. And this is what I'll end with today, my final scripture. Isaiah 2, 2 through 4. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come let us go to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his path and the word of the Lord shall and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem and he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people and they shall beat their their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nations shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war any more everybody have a wonderful sabbath